are you guys doing today? Tired? I heard a tired out there. All right. Well, I'm glad to be here with you guys this morning and worship our kings. Would you join us in worship?
Amen. We are here to worship a holy, holy God this morning. Jeannie is going to come up this morning and share some announcements. Good morning. As Hannah said, I'm Jeannie. I work here on the church staff. Uh, if you get emails from Rimrock, you might get emails from me. Um, we are so thankful to have you all here with us today. Uh, if you are new, we would love for you to grab a connection card out of the back of a seat near you and fill it out. Turn it in at the welcome counter, and they have a gift for you. Uh, we have an exciting opportunity. Uh, 21 Days of Intention has returned at Rimrock. Uh, we're going to offer that the, the 21 days prior to Easter. So coming up soon, it starts next week. And as I was thinking about the 21 days of intention, I was just reminded spiritual disciplines are near and dear to my heart. I like to call them practices of grace. And really what this 21 days of intention is, is an invitation for each one of us to engage in practices of grace individually and collectively. And so uh, I've been reminded that as we navigate this sermon series in Revelation, that we're, we're called again and again to look, look to the Holy One, glorify the King of Kings. And this is an interest, this is an invitation to do that individually and collectively. Uh, specifically, you'll see in your bulletin that there are specific opportunities in community. Rimrock Downtown is offering a time of prayer each Monday and Tuesday at 5.30, a time of worship each Thursday at 5.30. We'll gather together here for a Good Friday service. That'll include baptism, so let us know in the office or contact a pastor if you want to be baptized. Additionally, here on this campus, we have a new class starting at the end of March, which is the pra Practicing the Way, and it's specifically four-week class on prayer, and we would love to have you join us for that. Even if you don't usually come to Wednesday nights, give it a try here at the end, the last four weeks. Um, my other announcement is we have First Step this morning at 10.30. And so I'd love to have you join me if you'd like to learn a little bit about Rimrock's history and um, some uh, information about getting connected here at, at Rimrock. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Precious Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come here today to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you for this time we have together. We just ask you to speak to us each individually and to us collectively as well as we walk through this worship service. We thank you for your many good gifts and your invitation to a personal relationship with you, Lord. We thank you. Amen. As you may have noticed, things look a little bit different up here today, a little bit more laid back, um, and that was kind of done intentionally. I think it's important to remember and kind of get out of our comfort zone. I love 
all the band, I love all the instruments, but sometimes it's nice to just lift our voices. Um, so things are going to look and sound maybe a little bit different today, but I just want to invite you guys to remember why we worship, that we worship a holy, holy God. Um, I think this is sometimes a good opportunity to um, just take a moment and remember, as a song we're going to sing says, the wondrous mystery of who God is, that he would send his son to die for us, that he would be the atonement for our sins. So I invite you guys to just worship however God leads you to worship, if it's sitting and listening, if it's standing and singing. I want to encourage you to lift your voices because that's our main instrument today is just singing and lifting up our voices to the Lord this morning.
just be a pleasing offering of worship to you this morning in our song, in our message, God, in our time with one another. God, we just turn all eyes and the whole focus over to you. We thank you and we praise you, God. Amen. Amen.
bowls. And I want you to notice who's giving the bowls in verse 7. Who's giving the bowls? And these golden bowls were filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple of God and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Now I want you to notice something very important here. As we get into chapter 16, we're going to see the pouring out of these bowls. I want you to notice the people of God are not under the wrath of God. <laughs> we are delivered from the wrath of God. Can you just say praise God <laughs> because of Jesus Christ? There is no condemnation. There is no wrath for the people of God. Very important. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. But I want you to notice something else that's very important here. We don't have time to go into this, but I wish we did. But the, the, the covenant law is so important. This is such an important theme that the law of God comes from outside of us. We don't make our own law. That's why, that's why God came to Moses on Mount Sinai and he gave him the law. The human condition apart from God is we try to create our own laws. But, but no, we, we need God's law and it's covenantal law. That's so important. And it's in the temple. It's in the most holy of places. It's the most important thing. Notice that. But notice that the bowls are given by the living creatures. The living creatures represent the creation. At least throughout Revelation, they're representing creation. Genesis 3, verse 17 through 19, this is to Adam. God said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit of the tree about which I commanded, you must not eat it. So this is human condition, our sinfulness apart from God. God says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now notice in the curse, there's a relationship between man's sin and the condition of creation. Creation is under a curse because of our sin. Look what Paul says in Romans 8. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So, so Paul is saying creation is not as it should be right now, but there's a yearning, there's a longing for the people of God to be redeemed. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we groan as we... There's so much pain in our world as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have, but we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. My brothers and sisters, the Bible says this world is not the way it should be. <laughs> do you feel that? Revelation says creation feels that. The people of God feel that. This world is not our home. We were made for something more, something glorious and good and right and true. But in this moment, there's a groaning, there's a longing 
And so the living creatures bring these bowls and they give it to God to be poured out. Verse 1 of chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and he poured out his bowl on the lands. And ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped its image. Now notice where the wrath is poured out. Not on the people of God. These are people who have said no to God and they've chosen to worship the beast apart from God. Then the second angel poured out his bowl in the sea and turned it into blood like that of a dead person and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl in the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, you are just in these judgments, O holy one. You who are, who were, for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets and you've given them the blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. And then the fourth angel poured out his bowl in the sun and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire and they were seared by the intense heat and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and to glorify him. I want to pause here. Your mind should be going to another story right now. <laughs> There's a story in the Old Testament. Remember the people of Israel? They were enslaved in a land called Egypt. And God raised up Moses and he went to Pharaoh and he said, Pharaoh, let my people go. Because God, our God, Yahweh, has called them to be worshipers and to be freed from the false worship of Egypt, to be free to worship God, to have his law, to follow him and his ways. And so as you read this, you should be thinking about the Exodus story, <laughs> the story of Egypt, the plagues. Now, I want you to notice, in Egypt, the people of God didn't receive the plagues, right? God sealed them. He protected them. He put blood over the doorposts, and they didn't suffer the plagues, but the, the people of Egypt did. But each time, 10 times, they had the opportunity to repent, to let God's people go, but they refused. And so we see the same thing. Now, I want you to notice these bowls, what are they poured out on? Not on the people, but on the creation. What do we see? The first bowl is poured out on the land. Second bowl on the sea. The third bowl on the rivers. The fourth bowl on the sun. What's going on here? We have something called in Christian theology called God's providence or common grace. The verse that Jesus said is God causes the sun to shine and the rain to come on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right now, brothers and sisters, we are living in a time of grace. <laughs> sin is rampant, but God continues to bless all people <laughs> from creation. So if you ate breakfast this morning, if you're going to eat lunch today, it's because God provided it through the sea, through the land, through the sun, through the rivers, the water. If you have fresh water to drink, it's because of God. God has given creation, and he said it's very good. It's for our blessing. It's for our sustenance. But what we're witnessing here is God is pulling away his presence and his grace from humanity. And instead of creation being there to bless them, the full curse is released, and the land becomes a place that causes harm, 
and the sea doesn't provide food, and the rivers no longer provide water to drink, and the sun, instead of growing things, it burns things. And so what we see is that God removes his grace, and we see the rebellion of creation against humanity. And so this is what we're seeing here. In verse, in verse 10, there's a shift in the, in the fifth bowl. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent for what they had done. And so what we have here, if the first four bowls are on creation, the final bowl is on the beast himself. And if you notice, the bowl is poured out into the air. Jesus said, uh, actually Paul talked about Satan, that his kingdom is the kingdom of the air, of the powers and the principalities of this dark world. And so, what, oh, I'm sorry, the air is coming next, but in the fifth bowl on the throne. And so we have these authorities that have been established in human history that are apart from God, that are in rebellion against God. This darkness... Maybe it's a physical darkness, but I think what it is, it's really the, the, the removal of God's presence, the stepping back of God's presence. We know from Genesis 1 that God is light, that he created light, and it's his presence. And what we're seeing here in the fifth bowl, I think, is a taste of hell, a taste of hell. And hell, at its, its most basic definition, is the absence of God, no longer God's presence. And so the absence of God's presence is total total darkness. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl in the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way of the kings of the east. And I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs, and they came out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And these demonic spirits that perform signs, and they go into the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together in the place in Hebrew that is called Armageddon or Megiddo. And then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Where else did we hear that? Remember Jesus on the cross? What did he cry out? It is finished. <laughs> There's a connection here. Brothers and sisters, as the people of God, as the people of the Lamb, as the people of the cross, we should say, praise God for the cross, because we are spared the wrath of God. It was complete on the cross. It was sufficient on the cross. Jesus took the curse upon the cross for us. But for those who don't trust God's gift of the cross, they will face the judgment of God. And look what it says. It is done. Verse 18, then there came flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split in three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. And God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away from the mountains, could not be found. And from the sky, huge hailstones. Each weighing about 40 kilograms fell on the people, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail, because the plague was so terrible. So the reality is there's a day of reckoning. 
And the world will have to grapple with the reality of a creator, a holy God, who is purely love, but he's just. And sin must be dealt with. And if the people do not repent, this reality of reckoning will come. And there is a judgment. But I want you to notice, is God's true enemy is not the people. <laughs> it is the dragon. It is Satan, the great deceiver, who raises up these beasts and this false prophet to de deceive people, to lead people into false worship, the worship of Egypt, the worship of created things instead of the creator. And so this is a call to worship. But it's also a call, I believe, to see the reality as the people of God that we have hope. <laughs> we don't have to be afraid because there's victory in this final battle that is described. We don't have to fight it <laughs> because there's one who fights for us. So why in Revelation can John and the people of God, even in the face of such evil as the Roman Empire, even in the face of being burned at the stake, even in the face of being put in boiling pots of oil, how can they say, we are called to worship, <laughs> we are called to pray, we are called to bring blessing, to do good things in this world as long as God has us here? How can we say that? Because as Paul says in Romans, he says, it is not for you to seek revenge. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. God is just. I want to ask you guys to stand, and I want to ask the worship team to come. And I want to end by looking at Revelation 15, verse 3 to 4. Do we, do we have that that we can put up on the screen? Would you stand with me? I want, you to, I want you to look at this song. And I don't know if all of you will be able to say these words, but I want you to really examine your hearts. And, and I want you to hear that question that God asked Adam and Eve. He asked us is, where are we? Because I think the root issue is, do we trust God? Do we have faith in Him and who He is? And if you do this morning, would you say these words out loud with me this morning? Because I think one day we will sing this song together with all the people of God. We're just a small collection of the people of God. But one day we will say these words, sing these words all together. But let's say them together in faith, trusting God. Let's read it all together. And sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Amen. What a gift of grace is Jesus mighty. No more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my right.
righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is holy.
thanks so much for being here this morning and worshiping with us. I pray that you guys go out and live with Christ's strength flowing through you. See you guys next week. <laughs>